Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Amber. And this is Derek. We are with Quad State Paranormal and this is episode four of our Spirit Guides podcast. Hope you guys had a good week and I hope you're having a fun weekend. Yeah, and I hope it is sunny wherever you are because it is super cloudy where we are. We thought it was going to rain so we didn't go fishing. No. We no. went We went shopping yesterday, so that made up for it. That does <laughs> not make up for going fishing. <laughs> we also didn't get to investigate anywhere either, but mm. we've been doing some research. We found some stories we thought you guys might like. Yeah, so that's what this episode is going to be about. Got a, kind of some mixture stuff going on. Um, but uh, before we get into all of that, I definitely want to give a shout out to our new listeners in... India. Canada. New, New Zealand, Zealand. And Australia. And Australia, yeah. So and of course, right here at home in the U.S. Right. Listeners from all around the world. So that's really cool for us. That is we're, really neat. You know, we're on episode four of our first time doing a podcast and we've got listeners all over. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. Um, but yeah, do we just want to get into these stories I, now? Yeah, or? I think so. Okay. That's fine. Well, let's just move on then. A horror movie or a book, you know, um, it gets, kind of gets your heart pumping, uh, you know, for that moment that you're watching something for sure. Uh, but you can rest easy afterwards knowing that whatever you experience is just fiction. What's more terrifying is when the real world gets creepier than anything that Stephen King could come up with. <laughs> now, you know, I mean, because I don't care if it's on Facebook, I don't care wherever you're getting you know, your info from, you know, there's murders and disappearances, demonic possessions, devil worship. So these aren't just stories from a writer's mind. Uh, but I mean, the stories that we have today are ripped straight from news headlines, right? Newspaper, the news. Yeah. So we tried to go in and find some chilling stories that, um, well, that we thought were weird, Right, yeah. Not just weird, but kind of horrific, some of them. But uh, getting, uh, you know, straight from the news. So it's not stuff that we just found online. Well, technically, I guess we did find them online, but not stuff that, you know, that has been made up or whatever. These are actually stuff with quotes from newspapers and the news. featured in a newspaper article. for sure. And I know some of mine are even date back. They're they're a little older. Some of mine are more paranormal. Mine are too. I, I even have a few little silly ones but they were actually you know mine were paranormal related and yeah mine mine kind of are paranormal related some of them are mine are yeah um yeah not all mine are either (laughs) (laughs) so but uh let's go ahead and get this started i guess you will have story number one yeah my first case it's it's still an unsolved mystery actually this is one that's not paranormal but um it has to do with like I guess Satanist and some believe it might've been like a witch ritual. It is the death of Jeanette De, De Palma. De Palma. I'm not sure how you pronounce her last that name. Sounds good to me. But, um, it was believed to have occurred sometime on or around August 7th, 1972 in Springfield township, New Jersey. Uh, after two weeks, around two weeks after the dis- discovery of her remains, Several newspapers, including Star Ledger and the New York Daily News, began reporting that she may have been the victim of an occult sacrifice carried out by either 
Satanist or a local coven of witches. Let's see. I think they believe that because her remains were surrounded by strange objects. The actual newspaper art. Well, first I'm going to go with uh, one about the police discovering her body. And the top, the headline for that newspaper article, it just says, Police discover body of girl, 16. The body of Jeanette de Palma, 16, of 4 Clearview Road, Springfield, was found Tuesday by Springfield police in a secluded area of the township. Miss de Palma had been reported missing from her home on August 7, 1973. The remains were discovered as the result of a search begun midday Tuesday when a hand and arm of a young female were reported found in the rear of a Springfield apartment complex. Town police were aided in the search by members of the Union County Prosecutor's Office and bloodhounds from the Ocean County Sheriff's Department. Identification of the remains found not far from the apartments near Wilson Avenue was made by means of death examination. Doctors estimate she had been dead about six weeks, and police are continuing. Did they say how old she was? I didn't, oh, yeah, she I didn't was 16. That. Yeah, 16. that was actually okay. in the headline up there, Police Discover Body of Girl okay. 16. I, I don't know if I said this before, but this was actually in Springfield Township, New Jersey. Yeah, you did. Okay, good. Um, but it, I, couldn't, I didn't remember if you had said how old she was. So she just went missing. She did. And this is still unsolved. Mm -hmm. Wow. In the next article... It deals with her, and the headline for that says, Girl Sacrificed in Witch Rite, and then it has a question mark. Investigation into the, and this is, you know, one that's actually from a newspaper, too. Right, Investigation yeah. into the death of 16-year-old Jeanette de Palma is focusing on elements of black witchcraft and Satan worship. A review of death scene photos, according to reports, is leading authorities to believe the girl's death may have been in the same nature of, may have been in the nature of a sacrifice. Pieces of wood at first thought to be at the, at the scene by chance are now seen as symbols. Detectives throughout Union County have been alerted to the possibility that a cult or cult member played a part in the death. A search party discovered her remains. She had been missing six weeks on September 19th in a wooded area of the, I think this is called Hoodell Hood, or Hoodally Quarry. Whoville. Who, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Oh my gosh. Um, let's see. Atop a... Forty. This in this newspaper article I have. It's kind of hard to read, but I believe it says atop a forty-six foot cliff, about four hundred yards from, I believe that says Shun Pike Road. So you're reading this from the actual newspaper clip. It is. Yes. Oh, okay. One searcher said two pieces of wood were crossed on the ground over her head. More wood framed her body, and like a coffin. And I can't really read the rest of that, but that's the gist of that newspaper article. And and he's like you said, it's still it's unsolved. Still unsolved. Though. I wonder. And she had been in, missing for six weeks. Yeah, and I wonder though why they jumped straight to other than the stuff that was around her. 
why they jump straight to witch stuff. Like, do they have a problem with witch stuff in that area? Or have they dealt with something before that was kind of like that? Or... Well, I think it says... Is this the same year that the Blair Witch Project came out? You know, <laughs> I don't... Could've... I don't know. I'll have to look I into that know, some more. I don't know, because this happened in 1972. Yeah. So I'd have so... to look into that a little more, because I want to know more about that town. I want to know more about... Well, but I know. did do a little bit more research in it, into it besides just that newspaper clipping, uh-huh. and it does say they believed it was by Satanists or a local coven of witches who operated in the nearby so, Wachung Reservation. Okay, so they knew that there was probably a yeah. group out there that did this kind of stuff. Right. Oh, and I mean, not necessarily murder, but they knew that there was a group that got together and did whatever it is they right. do. Okay, and I'm not gotcha. putting down any, like, pagan... You know, people who are into the pagan spiritualism stuff like that. I don't think that, you know, that they are like murderers or, you know, anything like that. I think that they just, you know, there's a difference in people who believe in the pagan, you know, they have the pagan religion and there's a difference between them and, you know, murderers. Right, <laughs> and I think yeah. these people, you know, if, if it was, you know, I think these people were just murderers. But I think they had went to the, that conclusion probably because of the stuff found around her and the fact that i that they had dismembered her body and i'm sure her you know i wonder if any of her family members are still alive that from back then that uh you know that they're still trying to figure out what happened of course you know with it with it being that long ago you know you run into i mean where you possibly you're not ever going to find out anything right um, so that's sad for the family members because they don't have closure. You know, they don't right. know really what happened or anything. But uh, with that, you know, I can't. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of on a creepy side. And it makes you wonder, too, if, you know, man, yeah, I don't. If they. I really want to know why they just jump to. This group of people you know what i mean or if they were just pinpointed because they were doing different stuff um now i know they said that they found stuff around the body and stuff like that but who knows you know i've seen enough id channel stuff to know uh ex-boyfriends and friends can kill somebody and then uh stage it to make it look like somebody else did it you know what i mean so yeah so that's kind of interesting i I definitely want to look more into that i think it was probably just because of the dismembered arm and hand and i think that's maybe that's just a sign of like sacrificial rituals from like satanist i guess yeah i don't know too much about that stuff so yeah (laughs) i I don't don't either yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna have to check that out i'm gonna have to i'm not not satanist stuff but i mean i'm gonna have to check out uh more into that town area and uh more into that case for sure yeah well my maybe one day it will be solved uh, maybe i don't know because we're running on some years here Mm -hmm. so um but yeah you never know never say never i guess um my first story i have I'm sure everybody's heard about this place. Ghost Adventures has been there. Kindred Spirits has been there. I'm sure there's other people have been there. Um, because it's a it's a big place, uh, you know, in the paranormal realm. But I'm going to call them out right now. I think Dakota, Chelsea, 
Tanner and Alex for one of our favorite shows, I Destination love, Fear. I love that show. You guys need to head out to uh, the X Murder House. I want to see you guys stay the night out there and see what you guys find. Um, the Velisca X Murder House in Iowa. That's uh, like I said, it's been on a ton of paranormal stuff. But this is again, this story is ripped straight from the headlines. I'm gonna give you a little bit of background, and then uh, we'll go from there. Uh, the Velisca X Murder House in Velisca, Iowa, is a well-known tourist attraction for ghost hunters and horror lovers alike. The site—it was the site of a gruesome unsolved 1912 murder, in which six children and two adults had their skulls completely crushed by an axe of an unknown perpetrator. Uh, oh, so this one's still unknown too? Yeah, Rob. I guess that murder was. Yeah. And when did it take place? 1912. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was actually, I see, it was actually purchased in 1994 and restored to its 1912 condition and converted into a tourist destination. It cost $428 a night to stay oh, wow. at the old haunted home where visitors always report strange paranormal experiences such as visions of a man with an axe roaming the halls or the faint screams of children. Uh, but in November of 2014, the haunting took a darker turn. Robert Stephen, uh, I think it's Larson, Robert Stephen Larson Jr., um, 37, but he's from uh, Wisconsin, was on a regular recreational paranormal visit with uh, friends when all of this happened. Um, so this is actually the headline. Right. This is the headline yeah. we're getting into. Again, this was in uh, 2014 um, with this uh, Robert Stephen Larson Jr., who was 37 at the time. And he was there with some friends, you know, doing the paranormal investigation. Okay. Um, the headline actually says uh, his companions found him stabbed in the chest from an apparently, from an apparently self-inflicted wound, called 911 and Larson was brought to a nearby hospital before being helicoptered to Creighton University Medical Center in Omaha. Um, the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office uh, said Larson suffered the self-inflicted injury around 12.45 a.m., which is around the same time the 1912 axe murders began at the house. Oh, wow. Uh, Larson recovered from his injuries, but has never spoken publicly about what occurred that day. For Martha Lynn, the homeowner, um, I guess I'm assuming she owns the house now because it says the homeowner. Um, the incident was very upsetting. It's publicity. She said it's publicity, but it's not exactly the kind of publicity you deserve. You deserve or desire to have. Said I don't want people thinking that when they come to Velisca X murder house, something is going to happen. That's going to make them do something like right. that. I don't want to stay at a, stay at a place where people have hurt themselves. Yeah. Um, and it says the house remains open for tourists, uh, tourist visits and overnight stays. So, I mean, you can look them up online right now and book you a stay. But so he's never, he's never, never come said out. said if he actually did well, you know, intentionally self-inflict. Nobody that? knows. Now, I don't know, you know, again, with the headlines and stuff, but 
you know, I don't know if it was an accident, like you said, if it was an accident, if, uh, or like he had the knife and he fell or, or well, first off, why, why did would he, he have a knife? Yeah. That's anyway. my first thing. Yeah. Why would he have a knife? Um, and you know, and secondly, I don't understand, you know, it doesn't go too into too much detail, but why was he, you know, did he stab himself? Did something make him stab mm-hmm. himself? That's the big question. Right, that's and, interesting. And um, my next thing that I have, and I, of course, I didn't get into researching this, but they say that he was stabbed at 1245 a.m., which is around the exact same time that the murders happened in 1912. Right. Now, another thing is how do they know that that's when the murders happened in 1912 at that exact time right. if the people True. were not found until the next mm-hmm. day? So I don't know, you know, where they're getting that kind of information from or if back in 1912 they had medical examiners like they do today that could tell them the temperature of their liver or something. But it definitely makes the story more interesting, though. Well, that's for sure. And I think that's kind of where they were going, Mm -hmm. you know, because this is a house where multiple people were killed, you know, that also involved children. And now, you know, it's been restored to make it look like it did back then. And, you know, and they are, you know, having people come stay the night and do investigations and stuff. So why not make the headline paranormal related? Right. But people have been known to see apparitions, right? You said. Yeah. um, And I didn't put that in here. But, yeah, there are people. I mean, you know, of course, you have different paranormal teams that go out there. And, uh so, I mean, there have been reports of apparitions. There's been reports of um, light shining under, you know, door frames um, at night when they're trying to sleep. And whenever they open the door, there's nobody there. So, I mean, you know, I don't know. Uh, there's a, a You're getting into a ton of different stories whenever you start reading about the paranormal stuff with, you know, that house. Like I said, I'd like to see Destination Fear go mm-hmm. stay there. I would too. Um, and uh, for them to uh, do an investigation, see what they find. You know, and they may not find anything, and or they may. So, but I think that'd be neat if they'd go there. Well, you had a haunted house. My next one is, uh, how about a haunted museum? Uh, this let's one, go. This is <laughs> in a Ringe. I don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that. I think it's Ringe, New Hampshire. The headline says, investigators find spooky doings at Historical Society Museum. It says... Closing doors, lights that turn on and off, a swaying chandelier that twists and turns, objects that move, the smell of pipe, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) the smell of pipe smoke. These are a few of the manifestations paranormal investigators found when they investigated the possibility that the Wrench Historical Society Museum may be haunted. For Linda Buzier, I think. That's how you pronounce her last name. It is. Yeah. The, muse- <laughs> the museum's cor- curator, the investigation by the East Coast Transcommunication Organizations is proof of what she's been saying all along. She has spent many hours alone in the old house located next to Ringe Memorial-, Memorial School, has always known she shared the space with otherworldly presences. I've known the museum was haunted since the first day I set foot in there. Buzier told those attending the Historical Society's annual meeting at the Ridge Meeting House, Ringe Meeting House, this is my validation. 
So it's a simple story, but I don't think most, I don't think most newspapers put paranormal stuff in there about ghosts and everything. So this was kind of neat that they, uh, they popped that in there. Well, and you know, and I see both sides of that. I mean, we're kind of just taking one person's word for it. Cause she said, these are my validations. Right. Everything that she said was typical stuff that you hear about haunted houses. Um, you know, when somebody says it's always pipe smoke, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever noticed yeah. that on any paranormal show. Do you always smell pipe smoke or if it's a woman you always smell the perfume Perfume. you know so i don't you know and i'm not again you know we always say this in every episode i'm not discrediting discrediting anybody um from what they do but it doesn't just say her in this newspaper article here it says these are a few of the manifestations paranormal investigators found when they investigated who's the paranormal investigator it doesn't say are they is it her group (laughs) You know, do, I don't yeah, know. It doesn't say. I, I don't know. But, um, you know, from where I'm from, um, there's actually a restaurant at, um, in Paducah, Kentucky. I'm not from Paducah, Kentucky. I'm from Illinois, but right it's down. It's really close. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's actually a restaurant that uh, they have. This is, It's supposed to be haunted. Um, and uh, they even have the story printed on their menus. What restaurant is it? Well, I'm not going to oh, I'm sorry. advertise okay. the restaurant oh, okay. on here. But uh, it's um, they've got it printed. Uh, they used to. Now, it's changed hands since then, and it's a new, um, it's a new oh, business now, but it's still a restaurant. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, the, what it used to be, you know, they, they had it, the, the ghost story printed on the menus. Um so, Did you eat there? Did you go there? No, I actually, I'm just going to say, it's C.C. Cohen is what it used to oh. be in Paducah. But um, I've, you know, I've heard stories of there. Um, I've investigated the upper floor. Really? The second floor. Didn't get anything. Um, not Again, not saying there wasn't anything there. Right, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, there's stories. But um, at that time, didn't get anything. Uh, but, uh. You know, I think a lot of stuff, a lot of people um, feed into that kind of stuff because what they hear other people talk about mm-hmm. and what you read. Right. Um, not from people having firsthand experiences. Um, but, you know, there are, I mean, these stories got to come from somewhere. Right. So I think, you know, it's, could be creditable. Creditable. Yeah, is that how you That's say right, that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's That's how I said that. Anyway, um my next one, which I was kinda iffy on even doing this one because I want to do a segment on exorcism. Um and nothing but, you know. Yeah, but But I'm gonna go ahead that, and do this one. That one would take a while to do a whole yeah. segment on that. Well, this is Actually, it's pretty recent. It's not too long ago. In August of 2016, in North oh, yeah. in North London, uh, 26-year-old Kennedy Ife uh, began acting strange and aggressive following a pain in his throat. He reported uh, reportedly, let's see, bit his father, threatened to cut off his own penis. Ouch. Yeah. And complained of a python or snake inside of him before his family restrained him to a bed 
with cables uh, and they had to use excessive force. Man, I cannot talk today. (laughs) Um, And the headline, um, BBC actually reported, it said the family then set about attempting to cure Kennedy through restraint and prayer over the next three days, the court was told. His brother, Colin Ive, told police, it's clear that things were in him. We believed was a demon because it was not natural. It was clearly trying to kill him. We had to restrain him before, we had to restrain him for himself. It was clear if we didn't restrain him, he could not have tried, he could, man, he could have tried to harm people in our family. So I don't know really what was going on, but I mean, clearly they thought if we don't restrain him to this bed, that he's going to hurt somebody. And they never once thought, hey, maybe we should call the police or uh, call 911. Yeah. Right. Uh, Kennedy Ive had been, he had been bound to his bed for three days without medical attention when his brother finally called emergency services. Oh, wow. So there you go, three days. Explaining that Kennedy Ive was complaining of dehydration. So oh. out of all of that, you know, like three days he's been tied to this mm-hmm. bed. So clearly they probably haven't fed him. Mm. He hasn't had any water. Right. But the, so they called emergency services and uh, said he was dehydrated. He appeared to have uh, have developed breathing issues and was pronounced dead at 10.17 a.m., Uh, The newspaper reported while police were at the house, uh, Colin Ife allegedly carried out an attempted resurrection by chanting and praying for Mr. Ife. All seven of Kennedy Ife's family members were accused of manslaughter, false imprisonment, and causing or allowing the death of of a vulnerable adult. A post-mortem examination revealed over 60 wounds, including a possible bite on Kennedy Ive's body and his father, Kenneth Ive, along with four of his brothers, sustained injuries as well. The BBC reported uh, Kenneth Ive told jurors he ordered his sons to take shifts and use overwhelming force, but denied that in association with cults, the occult, and secret societies played any part in the death. After four days of of jury deliberation, all seven family members were cleared of charges on March 14th, 2019. So they did not get in trouble at all for that? Nope. And this all has started in 2016, and they were found innocent in 2019. So it went on for a few years, it sounds like. But something that kind of got me was what the dad said. So the dad said that, um, let's see, he let's see, denied that in an association with cults, the occult, and secret societies, uh, you know, it didn't play any part in the death. So did this family have connections with the, <laughs> the cult? Because, I mean, the way that says that, he denied that an association with mm-hmm. cults, or was he just saying, "Hey, you know, we don't, 
do anything like so that. So he's denying any association with that. But yet he was chanting a resurrection? Oh, uh, the, the brother was. Oh, yeah, okay. the brother was. Okay. Um, that he, The a brother tried to... ritual. Yeah, okay. tried to bring him back to life. Mm. Um, let's see, yeah, the, 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 the call and Ife allegedly carried out an attempt resurrection by chanting and praying for Mr. Ife. Um, oh, but the one that had died had bite marks on him? Yeah. And other wounds. Yeah. That were caused by his family members, by Ooh. his dad and his brothers. Well, they didn't say that. So I don't know. No. I mean, it just says, uh, da, 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 including possible bite on Kennedy Ives' body and his father, Kenneth Ives, along with four of his brothers, who also sustained injuries as well. So... They're probably saying that he bit them. Okay. And then uh, that um, Kennedy Ive had uh, bites on his body as well. So, but the, you know, they said he was possessed. They tied him to a bed and left him there. I mean, that's pretty much yeah. what they did. I and, have so many questions for that, though. Yeah. I mean,. And then they were found innocent. Now, I don't... And they waited three days. Yeah. So I don't care. I don't care if you think they're possessed or not. You don't tie somebody up and not feed or water them or anything for three days. And then they die. And then you go to court and say, sorry, we thought he was a demon or there was a demon in him. This isn't... Salem witch trials anymore, you know? I mean, you can't just say that and then them go, the jury look at each other and say, oh, okay, I think you're right. Innocent, you know? I That bothers me. If I ever think that you are possessed, I'm not going to, I won't tie you up. I'm going to get your butt to a hospital or a church. Well, let's... Or both. <laughs> yeah. Take me to the hospital and call the priest. Yes. Um, but, uh... You know, one of the common things with possession, though, um, is speaking in Latin seems to be an ongoing thing and stuff like that. But none of that was mentioned in here. So I don't know if anything like that happened, but they just said he was acting weird and he kept complaining. um, What was it? A throat pain? Yeah. Or something like that? Yeah. And then he thought he had a snake in him? Right. Yep. So I don't know. Yeah, I just don't know how... Yeah, I have a problem with this whole case. You know, yeah. the whole case I have a problem with. Are there certain conditions that would maybe make one act like they were possessed or something? They should have got him some help. They should have taken him to a hospital. For sure. Uh, it could have been something medical, right. for sure. Yeah. But what the family did was wrong. They should not have just tied him to a bed and left him um, and didn't try to seek help yeah. for three days. Um, now... Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Let's, let's okay. Let's so that's move a very. On. That's like yeah. a very like serious. That's a very serious story there. So I'm gonna lighten the mood a little bit and throw this silly one in. Um, the woman who married a ghost. Okay. So this is not the article. This is just. A, I do have the article. I will share here in a little bit. But this is kind of just leading up to it. On January 15, 1901, the Sunderland Daily Echo reported that Bessie Brown of Cameron, Oklahoma, had married a ghost. 
Yes, I did just say that. <laughs> she married a ghost. The writer explained that Bessie's fiance had, had died a few weeks before their wedding. Wait, hang on. The writer explained that, oh, her fiance had died a few weeks before their wedding. And after his spirit appeared to her, she decided she would marry his ghost. The article reported that Bessie had moved into a cottage with her husband and that persons who pass the house can hear them talking and laughing just as if they were both in human form. Speaking of getting people help, I think this woman needs help. I think help. she definitely needs some help. Be was that the whole story? No, I okay. have the actual newspaper article. Okay, keep now. going, keep going. The minute or this, I think this is just part of a newspaper article. The minister went with Bessie last week into the graveyard where her lover was buried, and at midnight the ceremony was performed, which united her to the ghost of the man whom she had promised to marry two years ago, but who was killed in a railroad wreck just a few weeks previous to the wedding. I believe after a close study of the girl's actions that she truly thinks she is wedded to the ghost and that the apparition appears to her as naturally as if the spirit were still in the body. We are trying to do everything we can to make her forget her ghost, but it seems as if we are going to fail. Before the graveyard wedding, Miss Brown rented a cottage and furnished it for two. She is now living in it with her ghost husband. She can be seen sitting on the back porch conversing with an invisible companion and often walks along the street talking aloud to some person whom no one else can see. The town people are much excited over the matter. They all know Miss Brown to be a Christian young woman and one who would not deceive anyone for the world. Most of them actually believe she is married to the ghost of her dead lover. Crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't even know where to begin. Like, how can you? Well, of course, that was back in, what did I say, 19, 1901. Because I was going to say, okay, how can you legally say okay, you're marrying a 1901. <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't get burned. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, yes. but I mean, get it. <laughs> I, I got to What's wrong with these townspeople? <laughs> She's just strolling down the road talking to... I, I wonder if she was like fake holding hands with somebody. And that was in Oklahoma. And they're, and they're walking down the road and she's just looking beside her talking to the trees. You know, I, and this and this town's all happy for her. Right. Yeah. They were very is, excited. This lady's crazy. Yes, yeah, she is. And they said they could walk past her house and hear her having conversation. What minister would do that? Like what I didn't minister even think about would that. perform a wedding... Of a person with someone she believes is a ghost. <laughs> I wonder how that was. You may now kiss your the bride. The air. <laughs> the air. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. I wonder if she did that part. I don't. <laughs> oh, wow. The only thing that saves this story for me is the fact that it was in 1901. Yeah. If, but well, but I mean, think nowadays. You know, people marry their cars. People are marrying. <laughs> married their cars. People are marrying horses. <laughs> Dennis Rodman married himself. You know, oh so I mean, gosh. it's there's a lot of weird stuff going on. But back in 1901, I would almost think that that would be like, you know, people with. I mean, well, I don't know how anybody didn't think she was crazy, or maybe they did, and they just maybe 
the newspaper article doesn't really go into detail and they're just scared of her. Yeah. Or maybe she was just so upset that like her lover had died and she wanted so badly for him to be to be there. And maybe she just made him up in her mind. No. I mean, I still don't think a minister should It didn't have... say how he died. Yeah, a railroad wreck. Oh, oh, that's right. You did say that. Yeah. So you can definitely tell I'm just, paying attention to that. Maybe she just wanted so bad for him to be alive that she just manifested this and just made it all up and it's in her mind uh, and maybe wow yeah maybe i she, just i don't know hmm. oh. or she could have just been so depressed about it and had hallucinated you know like but maybe then again like stress even and... saying that the town had to play along with yeah. it who did these people come to her wedding <laughs> It didn't say. What did she go? Did weird. she show up? I mean, no, no, no. The wedding was at the grave of her lover at midnight. Yeah, that's dead silence because I don't know what to say to that. And it doesn't say if anybody I, attended the wedding or not, but come yeah. on, town. I'm so you're telling me. So she was, they just, had to have torches, so they have torches in the cemetery. With her in a wedding gown <laughs> and a minister, mm -hmm. and a minister somebody walked by did and didn't think, uh, we need to burn her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, come, there's, oh, wow. I don't know yeah. what to say to that. So she was either just crazy or. What did the invitation say? Or that say? she was just really just a, a sick lady who needed help. What, what did the invitation say? Oh, right. <laughs> Did did she already have invitations made up? And then whenever he passed away, she just scratched it out and put cemetery at midnight. Oh, wow. <laughs> right, see you at the cemetery at midnight. Cemetery at midnight. See you there. You know? Yeah. I just, I still, I think it's a sad story though. Because oh, it's, that's, like it's she, a sad story. All missed, right. For the whole she town. She missed her fiance so much that she made this up. It's sad. It's really sad. I just... <laughs> Hmm. What do you got for us? Yeah, I'm going to move on from that because I'm <laughs> going to just keep... Yeah, okay. Well, of course, like I said, mine are all a little bit darker, but this one's actually about a a teacher in Florida um, named uh, Danielle Harkins, 35-year-old school teacher uh, near uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, started acting strangely in June of 2012, developing an interest in demonic rituals. Hey, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Does it say like, and I guess it doesn't really matter what she taught or uh, what grades she taught? Mm, no. Okay, I, I guess it doesn't it, matter. I don't think then. it does. Um, yeah, and I didn't look that up. Okay, it's not a big deal. Um, but it says soon after she, you know, of course, she got started developing an interest in demonic rituals soon after she was arrested for abuse of seven of her former students as the tampa bay times reported so this is straight from the headlines uh danielle harkins told the kids they needed to rid their bodies of demons as the group gathered before dusk saturday around a small fire near st petersburg pier they should cut their skins to let the evil spirits out Police said that the uh, that the that's what the children had told them. Then they needed to burn the wounds to ensure that those spirits would not return. 
when Harkins held a lighter to one of the teen's hands, uh, let's see, wind blew the flame out. The That prompted her to douse his hand in perfume before setting it on fire. The boy suffered second-degree bur- second burns. Another teen was cut on the neck with a broken bottle. Harkins used a flame to heat a small key, which she then uh, used to colorize the wound. The police were notified because a friend of one of the students who had participated in the ritual uh, raised alarms. However, none of the students themselves ever told their parents or the police about the event or would comment following the arrest of Harkins for aggravated battery and child abuse. Um, NBC reported investigators said they've spoken to Harkins but she didn't spell out what type of religion would require such drastic measures. She hasn't informed us exactly what she was trying to accomplish with this, uh, St. Petersburg uh, Police Department stated. Now, um, it also says that um, she was only charged with two counts. And, but it uh, was... And Six or seven kids that she had. Yeah. Um, it just And get this. After serving six months uh, total for child abuse and paying thousands of dollars in court and bond fees, um, Harkins was released from prison and disappeared. A local Fox affiliate in St. Petersburg went to her house and rang the doorbell, but Harkins never answered. Her home has since been abandoned. I hope she's not teaching anywhere anymore. It's unlikely she will ever discuss what led her to cutting up her former students in a blood ritual on the pier. But these kids willingly went with her? It sounds like it. And I wonder if they knew. Like, and, it does, say... and, it, and it did say, though, that um, to this day, none of the kids have ever told their story. Hmm. So I don't know if they, she did something that said it was just if you one ever who had participated that raised alarm right to police. Well, they did, that one didn't participate. That was oh, a okay. friend of one oh, of them okay. that participated. Okay. Um, yeah, I know, and like you said, I wish it would have told me. I bet if I'd have looked it up more, um, it probably would have told me the age range of the kids. Well, I'm assuming teen, they were teens. So. Yeah, you know, so um, you're talking junior high, high school probably. probably. Um, but, but they had to have willingly went with her, and it said they met on a yeah, Saturday. They at, met, was it dusk? Yeah, at the pier. So they okay. had they they didn't so, meet, I mean, and then she made them all get in a car or, or van or something and drove them to the pier. They all met there. So yeah, apparently they were all on board with this and knew yeah like this was going to happen. Yeah, but she only served uh, six months uh, for uh, child abuse, and I think mm-hmm. it was one of uh, the endangerment or whatever. But that was it. Served six months and now she's disappeared. And just out of nowhere, like she, she decided she. Yeah, they <laughs> don't. These, they don't know. These kids had demons. Well, hmm. I I read um, where one of her friends, uh, you know, from the I don't don't know if it was a childhood friend or whatever, said that she never acted like that. And so they don't know where it came from. They don't know when it started or why you know, that she started doing this, but whatever she started doing, she started recruiting kids that she was teaching. Yeah. I don't believe that. I think she's just a, a lady who likes to inflict pain on people. I guess. No, normally (laughs) the teacher stories you hear about, you know, teachers, uh, taking underage kids and having sex with them or something. Um, this one was, 
you know, on a whole different level right, with yeah. cutting, you know, and stuff. Cutting and burning. Yeah. So, but that's that story. But at least she didn't kill, like, she didn't kill anybody that we know of. No, and, you know, and like I said, I didn't, they said she disappeared. I don't know if she's, she may have changed her name or something. Um, but, yeah, like you said, I hope she's not teaching right, somewhere yeah. right now. We'll have um, to Google her name and see. Like, yeah, and see if we can probably, find some more stuff yeah. about her. My next story actually has to do with the reincarnation. I'm iffy on this subject because, you know, I, I somewhat, I would like to do a whole segment about reincarnation. So we might get to that yeah. at some point. But this is a story about a kid, um, a boy who believes that he had lived another life before. And I actually have a news clip. It's from NBC News to share with you guys. All right. So we'll just play that. All righty. We're back now with a tale that you have to hear all the way to the very last twist. A young boy who says he remembers things he couldn't possibly from a time long before he was born. That's according to his mom. She turned to experts of the mind for some answers. NBC's Cynthia McFadden tonight with the incredible story of what they found. It's not unusual for little boys to have vivid imaginations, but Ryan's stories were legendary. He said, Mom, I have something I need to tell you. I think I used to be somebody else. And he started just telling me these stories about how he had lived in Hollywood. His stories were so detailed. It just wasn't like a child that could have made it up. Ryan talked about dancing on Broadway, working for an agency, traveling the world, being married five times. He even said the street he lived on had the word rock in it. And it would be, my last room was grander. I want to go back to my swimming pool. But things got really strange when they picked up a book about the golden age of Hollywood. She turns to a page and they say, that's me. That's how, who I was. That's me. Yeah. But the man in the picture wasn't even a major star, just an unnamed extra with no lines in an old Mae West film. That's when Ryan's mother turned to this man, Dr. Jim Tucker, a child psychiatrist at the University of Virginia. For 50 years, the prestigious school has collected more than 2,500 cases of children claiming past lives. And your conclusion after 15 years is what? These cases demand an explanation that we can't just write them off. He's written about them in his book, Return to Life. Had you ever given much thought to this whole idea of reincarnation? No, ma'am. I grew up in a Baptist church. You know, that's not something that we were taught to believe in. But with the help of a movie historian, the man Ryan pointed to in the picture was finally identified. His name, Marty Martin. And just like Ryan said, he was a former actor turned Hollywood agent who danced on Broadway, was married five times, and even lived on Roxbury Drive in Beverly Hills. In all, Dr. Tucker confirmed that 55 of the things Ryan said were true. Of course, a lot of people are going to say, come on, this is the parent or somebody else feeding them information. I mean, it's just inconceivable that the parents, for some reason, had done all that. This information wasn't on the internet. But there was one fact the detail-obsessed scientists thought Ryan had wrong. He said he didn't see why God would let you get to be 61 and then make you come back as a baby. That looked like just an incorrect statement. That's because Martin's death certificate says he was 59 when he died. Since then, I've gotten information that the death certificate was actually incorrect, which would have made Martin Martin 61 when he died. Ryan was right all along. Are you glad you've had this experience? Yes, I am. A chance, he says, to live his own wonderful life. Cynthia McFadden, NBC News, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And all I can say, like usual, is wow. 
I think that doctor said there were 2,500, I think it said 2,500 yeah, 2, cases. cases. And that's just of children, that I think, that believe that they have crazy. been reincarnated. Like, that is really interesting. Um, I've heard stories, you know, of different accounts or whatever, where people, you know, not, not just around where they live now or whatever, you know, where they thought they had previous lives, but it was like in Egypt or something like that. On the other side of the world. Yeah, so I think that that is really, really interesting. I think that's a good topic that maybe we should look into um, and do a full segment on that. And I've heard stuff about a person who thought that they were reincarnated from someone who had died in the 9-11 tragedy. Yeah, that's... uh... Man, yeah, that is really interesting. Yeah, I want to do a whole a whole episode just on that. We will have to do that. I th- yeah, that's going to be. Uh, that would like, be I a could good. See, I could, well, I could see where it, it, it may get lengthy. So yeah, I think yeah. we should definitely d- just dedicate a whole episode to it that. It'll be a good topic. Man, well, moving on to my next story, which they'll be surprised is another exorcism. <laughs> um, we kind of went on two different paths when we were looking stuff up. I think it's okay. I think it's um, good. We have like a whole collection of different different types of stories yeah um this one let's see it was in indianapolis uh and it was the indianapolis star uh reported on a family that was terror see that uh they had three children that were terrorized but they actually thought that all three of these children were possessed by demons um the count of latoya ammons ammons uh, and her family tells disturbing stories of children climbing up walls, getting thrown across rooms, and children threatening doctors in deep, unnatural voices. It would seem like something straight out of a movie, a work of fantasy, except all of these accounts were more or less corroborated. <laughs> what's that word? Cor- collaborated I don't know I'm not reading it but yeah Yeah, we'll go with that whatever (laughs) Um, anyway it was put together with nearly 800 pages of official uh, records did you just say 800 pages 800 pages oh my gosh of official records obtained by the Indianapolis Star by like nurses and doctors and re- counted in more than a dozen interviews with police, DCS professionals, psychologists, family members, and a Catholic priest. Wow. Uh, It's kind of hard to argue with 800 pages. Yeah. It says one of the more chilling sections of the report includes a segment about a possessed nine-year-old. And the actual article said, According to Washington's original DCS report, and that's Division of Child Services, Mm -hmm. it says an account, uh, let's see, I lost my place. Uh, Oh, a nurse, there we go. Um, This was an account that was witnessed by a nurse. The nine-year-old had a weird grin and walked backwards up the wall to the ceiling. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't. I just then, don't believe that. Then flipped over. Uh, let's see. It says then flipped over a Campbell, but I don't know who Campbell is. 
Um, so it says he had a weird grin on his face, walked backwards up a wall to the ceiling, flipped over this person uh, whose last name was Campbell, uh, landing on his feet. He never let go of his grandmother's hand. So I guess he's they're standing in this kitchen or wherever it was, and Grandma's holding this dude's hand, <laughs> and he just has this weird look on his face and starts walking backwards and goes up the wall and up the ceiling and then drops down. Another segment of this piece reads, the 12-year-old uh, would later tell mental health professionals that she sometimes felt as if she was being choked and held down so she couldn't speak or move. She said she heard a voice say she'd never see her family again and wouldn't live another 20 minutes. Now, I do know, that's all it says on this, I do know that um, this girl apparently attempted suicide a couple of times while they were living in the house. And that's the 12-year-old? That's the 12-year-old. I don't know how old she is now or whenever this was going on, you know, later on, how many times when she tried to commit commit suicide. But the reason I know that is because... um, can you guess who bought the house? Zach. That's exactly right. <laughs> Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures actually bought this house. Um, he did a whole... There's an episode about this, right? There is. Something? He did a whole documentary on this okay. house. And I think it was called The Devil's House or something like that. Okay. Um, that was just about this house. Um, he actually... It, he said it was so bad that he tore the house down. He bought the house, investigated it, and tore it down. Oh, wow. Um, So it's... uh, Yeah. uh, I believe... I want to say it was actually... This house was actually in Gary, Indiana is where it was. Um, But... Yeah, I don't remember any of that, but... Yeah. And who lives in... Who's from Gary, Indiana? Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. I've only told you that like 900 times. I know. I'm not a huge Michael Jackson fan, so I don't know. I only know that because you told me yeah. that. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, Zach Bagans actually did buy this. And if you watch the... I wish I would have wrote down what the documentary is because the documentary, it is kind of creepy. But this is the place that um, he says ended up mess- he ended up having real bad health issues. It and messed up sure his eyes. This is the same place? It is. Okay. Yeah. But I think on, if it's the same documentary I watched, that there was a nurse who was actually giving like a firsthand story of this too. And I just... Wouldn't happen to be the nurse that I just talked about that was talking about the nine-year-old. Yeah, I just, I just don't be- believe no. it though. But she actually said she saw it, the the thing, the kid go she up the sa- ceiling, yeah, she was the wall, there when and this the happened, ceiling, yeah. and... Um, yeah, I just don't, I don't believe it. There was a, but it. it had a bunch of, uh, incidents there. And I know in the documentary that, um, they bring the mom back to the house. And I actually think maybe the daughter went back and one of the kids, and I think the daughter was even acting weird, even in the house then, whenever Zach was doing these interviews with them. Um, but yeah, it's a cool documentary. So you guys should check that out. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah. Well, my next story does not have anything (laughs) to do with that. It takes a whole nother turn into kind of starts off with UFO and then turns into a monster. Um, 
happened in West Virginia. A Flatwoods monster. Uh, here's the lead up to it. it. This is not the actual newspaper article just yet, but it says in the fall of 1952, two brothers and their friend saw something extremely strange in the sky. It was a bright light that appeared to land somewhere off in the distance. The brothers told their mother and they, along with a state trooper, decided to see if they could track it down. The newspaper article, the headline says, Braxton County residents faint, become ill, after run-in with a weird 10-foot monster. Seven Braxton County residents Saturday reporting seeing a 10-foot Frankenstein-like monster in the hills above Flatwood. They said they saw the monster Friday night when they climbed a, wood, a wooded hill to investigate reports that a flying saucer had landed. Mrs. Kathleen May said she and six boys, including a 17-year-old member of the, of the National Guard, started to research, started, uh, sorry, started to search for a bright object, which her two small sons said they had seen come down. However, state police laughed the reports off as hysteria. They said the so-called monster had grown from 7 to 17 feet in 24 hours. The National Guard member, Gene Lemon, was leading their group when he said he saw what appeared to be a pair of bright eyes in a tree. At first, he thought it was a possum or a raccoon, but when he shone his flashlight on it, he said he saw a 10-foot monster with a blood-red face and a green body that seemed to glow. Miss May said Lemon let out a terrified scream and fell over backwards. She said the monster started toward them with a bounding motion. All of the party agreed that there was an overpowering smell that burned the nostrils and made them sick. Several of the party fainted and vomited for several hours after returning to town. A. Lee Stewart, co-publisher of the Braxton County Democrat, said he and several men armed with shotguns returned with lemon about a half hour to an hour later and reported a sickening odor, odor still present. He said there were also slight heat waves in the air. Those people were the most scared people I've ever seen, Stewart said. People don't make up that kind of story that quickly. Both Miss May and Lemon described the thing as having the shape of a man, blood red face, bright green body, protruding eyes, and hand extended forward and appeared to give off an eerie light. They said it had a black shield, a black shield affair in the shape of an ace of spades behind it and wore what looked like a pleated metallic shirt. It looked worse than Frankenstein, Miss May said. Hmm. And that was in 1952. And that's in West Virginia. I wonder if there are are a lot of ufo sightings in west virginia because it started off it's kind of like they're thinking it started off as a ufo that had crashed and landed and this monster came from that ufo yeah that's Hmm. a bright green glowing body with red eyes and a blood red face Hmm. yeah i mean that's one of those stories that you hear that you 
there was a, a, oh, had to a there. bad odor that burned the nostrils. I think it was maybe like a chemical spill or something that caused these people to become sick and hallucinate. That's what it's. I think that's like. a very good explanation for that. And it, again, that's one of those things that you would have to look at the location mm-hmm. where this supposedly happened and look around and see if there's anything around that could have been, you know, toxic or something right. in that area. Yeah. Um, you know, whether there's a plant close by or they're, <laughs> or they were eating plants, you know, oh, I mean, yeah, that could I don't, survival plants, be. I don't know, but it's, uh, you know, that's one of those things, you know, you hear these stories and again, on this podcast, you know, we don't count out anybody's what you've experienced or anything like that. It's one of those things I would have had to been there and witness this. Um, you know, you hear stories like that and, when people believe them, you know, that's, you know, if that's really what they saw, it's what they saw. Right, yeah. But it's hard, it's hard uh, for us that were not there mm-hmm. to hear these stories and think, that sounds like that could have been true. Right. Um. You know, as a par- as paranormal investigators, we do what we can to look around the area, you know, and figure out what it could have, what could actually have happened um, compared to you know, hearing the story and just going along with it. So like we were just saying, I want to know more about that location and where they were, um, you know, or, you know, was there a guy out there in some kind of suit burying stuff? (laughs) You know, I don't know. But, and of course, if you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere and you run across anybody, you're going to freak out and run the other way. You know, you don't want to be out there with somebody you don't know. So, I mean, it just... I just think it's weird. They said he was glowing green. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> about... As far as the UFO thing, though, like we were talking about this morning, I think a lot of that is, like, Air Air Force-related and, uh, like, spacecraft. Well, you know, and that's and why I, I have a problem with... The, the They don't tell you everything they're doing. They don't announce, hey, by the way, we're going to be doing this today or that tomorrow or this late at night. They just do it. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's a lot of that's secret stuff right. that, a lot, that we don't know about. So whenever people, you know, I've seen on uh, different shows and stuff where they show UFOs and stuff like that, and they say, you know, this was shot right above the Air Force base. Uh, well, hello. <laughs> it was probably something Air Force exactly. related. Um, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. Now, there are some videos that I see that, you see stuff moving pretty quick and going in directions. It shouldn't go that quick in that direction. Mm-hmm. And that kind of makes you think, but whenever you're shooting stuff over or close to a military operational functioning base, it's probably something military. Um, my last story I have is one that again, probably everyone's heard of. You've probably seen the video on YouTube or scrolling through Facebook or whatever, uh, you know, paranormal sites you follow or listen to, you've probably heard of this, but it's the death of, uh, Elisa lamb. Um, the video, if you have not, for some reason, seen this video, go online, look it up. Uh, just type in her name. It's E L I S A. And the last name is L A M. Um, you, it'll pop up. You'll, I mean, it's easy to find, and, uh, but her death is, you know, still a mystery. 
Uh, but Elisa Lamb, she was last seen on January 31st, 2013 in the lobby of the Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. Now, the Cecil Hotel was also... I mean, there's been a ton of deaths at this place. Isn't that the place where a lady threw her newborn baby or like little infant yes. baby out of the window? And I think Richard Ramirez actually mm -hmm. rented a room there, the serial killer. Um, I mean, this place has got all kinds of stories. Ooh, do you know if he murdered while he was staying there? He did. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. And, but, so there's all kinds of stories, all kinds of hauntings, all kinds of reports all, uh, at this hotel. It's, you know, I heard one person say in an interview, um, is there a room I can stay in that there hasn't been somebody who died in oh, it? Oh, wow. You know, so, I mean, this hotel is famous for all these paranormal stuff. It's, you know, and I actually think it's um, the hotel that, the American Horror Story was based off oh, okay. of. Um, so it's it's a a big deal hotel, right. you know, with all this stuff. Um, but uh, Elisa Lamb, she was vacationing through the West Coast, documenting her trip on her blog and checking in with her parents every day. On January 31st, those calls stopped. Lamb had vanished. Soon police were involved, and her parents arrived to help with the search. They had, and they had nothing. They haven't found anything. And keep in mind, that was January 31st. So um, that February, LAPD released elevator surveillance footage of Lamb before her disappearance. The footage shows Lamb behaving strangely in the elevator, appearing to talk with invisible people, peering around the corner of the door, crouching in the corner, and opening and closing the door. But what exactly is going on in the video raises more questions than answers. Theories range from psychotic episodes to demonic possession to unknown assailants just out of the camera's view. And that again, that's the video I'm talking about you can find on YouTube. Um, just type it in Google and it'll pop up. This elevator footage will pop up. Um, around the time, a hotel guest reported uh, started reporting weird things happening with a Cecil Hotel water supply. Um, CNN actually reported, they said the sh uh, that w one of the people said the shower was awful. Uh, when you turn on the, ta the tap on, the water was coming black first for two seconds and then it was going back to normal. The tap water tasted horrible. It had very funny, uh, sweaty, disgusting taste. It's a very strange taste. I can, I can barely describe it, is what this lady said. But for a week, um, they never complained. We never thought anything of it. We thought it was just the way the water was here. Um... On the morning of February 19th, a hotel employee climbed to the roof and used a ladder to investigate uh, the hotel's water storage tanks. That's where authorities found the decomposing naked body of Lamb, whose personal items were found nearby. An autopsy, let's see, an autopsy, her death was labeled an accidental um, NBC Los Angeles reported at the time 
about the strange circumstances in the hotel. They said the tank has a metal latch that can be opened, but authorities said access to the roof is secured with an alarm and a lock. The single room occupancy hotel has an unusual history. Like we said earlier, the night stalker, Richard Ramirez, who was found guilty of slaying 14 people in the 1980s, lived on the 14th floor for several months in 1985. The international serial killer, uh, Jack, I don't even know how to say that last name, Udeweger, is suspected of murdering three prostitutes during the time he lived there in 1991. He killed himself in jail in 1994. Um, in 1962, a female occupant jumped out of the windows, let's see, one of the hotel windows, killing herself and a pedestrian that she landed on. Um, but uh, so, but this this hotel's got numerous stories. And when did she? Uh, 1962. Um, but. And so she jumped out of the window and landed on somebody. Oh, no, I meant and the, killed, the oh, Lisa. Oh, Lisa. When did that happen? That was in um, 2013. Okay. She went missing January 31st, and it was February 19th because of all the complaints and stuff about mm-hmm. the water, and that they checked the water. this is still unsolved. It is. Nobody they don't knows know. how, what happened to her, how um, she got up there. No, and they... And there's a documentary, I think it's on Netflix, you can go watch on the Cecil Hotel. Um, and um, I think it's Netflix it's on. But uh, it's on one of those. Um, and I know Ghost Adventures just did an investigation at the Cecil Hotel. And they were actually at the water tanks, you know, where all this happened. But, yeah, you watch that video and she's... It's sad that going the last... Crazy. Yeah, sad that the last known like footage, the last time she was seen was on that ele- yeah, in that elevator, and she was in such like distress, and you could tell like she was upset. There's something going on. She was yeah. scared. So that's yeah, that's another sad. another crazy part about this story is they said that there's only one access to the roof, and it's locked all the time, and there's an alarm. So it kind of makes me think maybe someone that worked for the hotel had something to do with her death. Uh, that could maybe. be. But another thing, if she was found in the water tank. It said her belongings were nearby. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I know that they said that the alarm would have went off if someone went up there. But it still looks like if someone went missing in your hotel, that maybe, do you think maybe you would, you probably would look on the roof, though? In Vegas. You would. Or not Vegas. Where did I say this? Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Yeah. So they, I would think the hotel would have security cameras on the roof, but maybe not. But my, another theory is that maybe... An employee went up there to smoke, had left the door cracked, and was on a total different half of the roof. Oh, yeah. She she had went up there could, seeing that the door was open. Could have been. Went on the roof. He came down and shut the door behind him. Yep. Um, you know. Uh, now, they also say that where that is, there, you know, I, I mean, I wish I would have looked up more. Uh, again, there's a do- whole documentary on this. Um, but something about, you know, she may had been on something maybe she had drank but she was on top of this water tank fell in and then once you're inside of it you can't get it open you can't push right, it open yeah. now if you're standing on top of the tank you can you know you can clearly pull it yeah. open but if you're in water trying to swim you wouldn't have the strength to open this hatch mm-hmm. or whatever and that she just got 
wore out and drowned. Um, so, I mean, there's a bunch of theories. Um, I but, still think they the should have thing... checked the roof and they would have found if her belongings were nearby, they would have seen well, that. Well, I think they and... did. I want to say that they did check the roof, but they didn't see that stuff at the time because they didn't check by the water tanks, which is up on a platform. Okay. But, hmm. I, you know, again, I'm not 100% sure about that. But I and thought. Just think about the people who drank that water. I and took showers. In it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the only reason they found her was because people started complaining about the water. I mean, it looks like you could get really bad sick from that. But the, if, you, if you watch uh, some more videos and stuff on this, um, it goes into, you know, the mom you know, where they were there trying to, you know, talk to police and trying to talk to the hotel staff and stuff, trying to find her and um, how they were kind of brushed off and all that, you know, and all this. But the crazy part that makes this whole thing crazy is how she was acting in this video. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know what was going on. And yeah, I had seen this video way before. I, yeah. I had seen this video way before. Um, I had even heard about the story and, um, and I think it was just titled, you know, woman talking to ghost or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but, um, then you learn about the story and then you rewatch it and you watch it a whole different way because it looks like she's standing in the hall at one point and it looks like she's either arguing with somebody or talking to somebody, but then she gets in the elevator and she's like crouched down and then she sticks her head out of the elevator, like looking like she's making sure no one's coming, you know? Right. Um, so it's it's a really creepy video. And then knowing, learning all the history about the hotel and yeah. like all the bad things that have happened there. Right. And, and you know, so I don't know. There's, it's still a big mystery to this day, really, what happened. Um, and like I said, you know, Ghost Adventures, they just did a thing on it not too long ago um, that you can you know, that you can look up and find. Um, but it's a yeah, really creepy story. I think that's going to be a story that people are going to be talking about for a oh, long yeah. time. But uh, you got one more? I do have one more. It's not a, about a death or anything. It's just about a robbery. Oh. And of course, I'm sure robberies make headlines all the time, right? But have you ever heard a robbery, a headline that says this? Bigfoot robs couple oh sweet baby jesus <laughs> this actually happened in north carolina uh, i don't i do have a date actually it says friday august 8th of 2009 oh it's happened in north carolina it looks like um bostick north carolina and again headline bigfoot robs couple y'all ready for this oh wow today as ready we, as I'm gonna be. <laughs> today we bring you the news that bigfoot sasquatch has struck again on Thursday, August. Struck again. He struck again. Th this yes. guy is constantly robbing people in this town. <laughs> Good well, God. I think there were other um, news stories about these boys that got attacked or something. I think they went missing. I don't know. Oh, if wow. I need to look further into that because I couldn't find the full news stories on that. I don't know if those boys were ever found. Wow. So, okay. okay. That's, but, a, that's another topic for another time. Yes. Bigfoot has struck again on Thursday, August 7th. Mr. and Mrs. Turner were grilling out in their on their grill in the in their backyard at 341 Deer Lane in Bostick, North Carolina, when they heard a large creature in the woods behind their trailer. Being that it was only a few days ago that Bigfoot attacked two teenage boys at the Puzzle Creek National Campground, Mr. Turner says that he and his wife were worried they were about to be attacked by the creature. He said that he was cooking barbecue ribs on the grill. 
The Turners told police that a large, hairy creature that had to be Bigfoot ran out of the woods and shoved Mr. Turner down. The creature then shoved the barbecue grill over and grabbed the two racks of ribs off the ground and ran back into the woods. How do you, how do, how do you report that? The police officer comes out and goes, sir, sir, were you cooking ribs? Oh, the police responded. They did investigate. Oh, my God. Okay, it go ahead. It says police were called, and about 100 yards into the woods, they found a pile of rib bones where the Bigfoot had enjoyed the ribs. People in the area are really scared of what Bigfoot may do next. Unbelievable. <laughs> I just... I just let's okay so let's not jump to maybe it was a homeless guy living in the woods and he was hungry right you know no it's a it's a bigfoot i I don't even know how you call that in really you know 911 emergency yeah we just been attacked by bigfoot we're sending officers right now you know that's i mean how do you jump straight to that like i said it couldn't have been a homeless guy that was just like that dude's out there cooking some burgers and some ribs and i'm hungry um i think it's just somebody dressing up terrorizing the neighborhood that could be that 100 percent could be and he was walking by i was like "Hmm, ribs (laughs) but it's uh (laughs) yeah man those bigfoot stories get me every time i am he said robbery robbed well, they're, they're uh, what was it? Ribs? Ribs. Yeah. yeah. I was expecting like, you know, a couple, an elderly couple walking down the street yeah. and Bigfoot stole her purse or something, you know. <laughs> I wasn't expecting them to be out at night next to the woods grilling. And then when you started, when you said grilling, I knew exactly where mm-hmm. this was going. And then my first thought was, it was a homeless guy that was hungry. Yes. You know, um, I wonder if there's a lot of Bigfoot encounters. In you know, that's Carolina? That's obviously typical Sasquatch oh. behavior. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but well, obviously he couldn't have stole a purse because it's not like he goes into a store and like shops for anything. So well, uh, he's got promotional things with Jack links. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, but it's, uh, man, yeah, those stories get me yeah. because I just, I am a huge skeptic when it comes to Bigfoot. How and, many people believe in Bigfoot? Did you? Have oh, that? I looked that up. I wish I'd have kept I don't remember that. what it was. Um, but yeah, there was, there was quite a few. It was, I think... Yeah, I don't remember. I don't want to say what yeah. it was because I don't remember. But it, uh, there was quite a few, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a huge, huge amount. But it, I mean, there's enough that there's 35 different shows yeah. on about it. And you like you mean? said, Washington State, I think, has reported the most. Well, and then getting into, uh, getting in, you know, into doing the podcast and stuff, I've kind of started watching a little bit more of the Bigfoot stuff and alien stuff. And just so that, well, I mean, so I can see how ridiculous it is, but so (laughs) whenever I talk about it, you know, there's, I have references or whatever I can go back on, but it's, yeah, I've just got a hard time with that topic. I'm sure we'll do an episode though, where we have more encounters of Bigfoot and other creatures um, and yeah i'm sure we will that's uh so yeah. let's see today we brought stories of murder hauntings creatures yeah exorcism, a little bit of everything um marrying but a ghost all stuff from real live right? news reports so hopefully you guys found them interesting or maybe they even made you 
a, a couple of them might have made you laugh. Yeah, none, none of mine. Mine were kind of dark. <laughs> no, yours were serious. But like I said, I think we the went on two different. The Bigfoot and the marrying the ghost was like to lighten oh, up things st- a little oh, bit. God. So hopefully I, yeah. those made y'all laugh. Maybe she wanted, like, maybe he, she wasn't left in his wheel. And maybe she thought like, hey, if I marry his, if I say I'm marrying his Ooh, ghost. Loophole. <laughs> if I'm marrying his ghost, then I get all his money. Well, That's what it was. Would have had some she... ribs. Bigfoot would have been there. <laughs> but that's yeah. I yeah, don't know. That lady marrying the ghost. That's what it was. She wanted to be included in his wheel. Well, I will tell you what. It, you know, some of the stories that we read, it makes me want to research some areas a little bit more mm-hmm. and and look into some more stories. So maybe we'll do a like a follow up episode or oh, something yeah. where we could th- we could throw in, you know, some more about these stories about what we found out. Maybe not a full episode on them, but we can tell you some more stuff that we found yeah. out about them. But yeah, that's our stories for today. I hope um, you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, make sure you guys have a good week and uh you know, hopefully we'll have we got actually I think we already got one planned for next week. Mm-hmm. Um we're not going to tell you what yeah, it is. Yeah, it's going to be a surprise. But I think good, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. And it was my idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, finally, but we, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's all I've got. All right. Stay tuned. You guys have a good week. See ya. Bye. Bye.